Appreciate uh, so much, Brother Reg, leading those songs. Uh, we hear about the old-time gospel preachers and what they used to do, and they used to invite song leaders with them. Uh, and I can remember reading about that in Restoration History. And when a preacher went, there would, the song leader would go as well. And we have some great, great song leaders here at Quitman. Uh, all, of, all of you are great. Uh, but love Brother Reg and appreciate him coming up and asking me several days in advance, what are you preaching on? What can I sing that will help us? And so a common love in God's family tie in just perfectly with our study this morning from the book of First Peter chapter 1 as we think about God's family. And I want to invite you to that text and we will camp out there. We're going to do something a little bit different. It's just the way it's kind of laid out in the text. As always, when I preach God's word, I want to stay true to the text and have more of what God says than what I have to say. But we're going to work backwards through this chapter, starting there in verses 22 through 25 and working our way back to verses 3 through 5 to think about the importance of God's family. This sermon will end and complete the series that we started several weeks ago on the five W's of the Lord's church. Uh, there seems to be in our world and, and in our religious society a lot of confusion about the church that belongs to Jesus. And so I thought we would take uh, the time to really break it down and talk about the Lord's church. So we started off with the who, the who of the Lord's church. Jesus is the head of the church. The church belongs to him. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, Colossians 1, 18. He purchased the church with his own blood, Acts 20, 28. So the church belongs to him. But then we talked about the who of the church. That's you and me. That's those who have obeyed the gospel of Jesus. If you've obeyed the gospel of Christ, then you are a member of the church that belongs to Christ. There's no other way in. It's not up to a vote. It's not a man-made decision. The Lord is the one who adds you to the church when you obey his gospel, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. We then talked about the what of the Lord's church. What is the church? And we looked at the book of Ephesians, and we brought out a point from each chapter, those six chapters. We notice from chapter 1, it's the realm of the saved. It's the body of Christ. In chapter 2, it's the family of God, the household of God. We talked about in chapter 3 being the eternal prize possession purchased by God, purchased by His Son. In chapter 4, the one united body, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. The bride of Christ, Ephesians 5. And the Lord's army, Ephesians 6. All of those descriptions discuss the what of the Lord's church. And then we talked about the when and the where. You may recall we combined that sermon. And we had a chart up here showing the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah 2, Joel 2, Daniel 2, pointing to Acts chapter 2. And so the church of Christ was established in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And so if the church that one attends did not begin in Jerusalem, and it did not begin at that time in the first century, then it's not the church of the Bible. And so we have discussed... Uh, these four W's, and today we think about the why. The why of the Lord's church. Your mind may go different places when you ask the question, why the church? You know, I've heard some say, give me Jesus, but don't give me the church. I want everything to do with Jesus, but I, you know, I don't really need to go to the church. I can, me and Jesus have something, uh, I don't need the church. It'd be very similar for someone to invite me somewhere, but not my wife. You're invited to come, but we don't like your wife. She's not invited. If somebody invited me and not Brittany, I probably wouldn't come. How do you think Jesus feels when the church is his bride? 
And someone says, give me Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with his bride. No, if you want Jesus, you've got to take his bride too. You can't have Jesus without the church. You can't have the church without Jesus. And so today we want to think about the why. And again, that may be your first thought. Or maybe it's Ephesians 3, 9 and following. That it was uh, the eternal purpose of God. And, and he had this purpose, this intention to have the church, the realm of the saved, this body of believers to be in one location. And that's true. But may I suggest to you this morning that God in his infinite wisdom, in his unparalleled love, knew that we needed a spiritual family. He knew that we needed family. Family's important, isn't it? You know, in a few weeks, Lord willing, we'll have Thanksgiving and we think about gathering with our families. That's an important time. But you know, the first day of the week when we can gather with our spiritual family, that's more important. And we are to love our physical families. And I'm not saying that we don't love our physical families. But my love for my spiritual family ought to be greater. We're going to think about why that love should be so great. We're going to think about why the church is God's family. Why that's so important. First, we think about God who ties it all together. God is the Father. And we who have obeyed His will are His children. You think about how the Bible describes God as a father. It's very interesting. James says he's the father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so if it's good, it comes from God. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. So if it has light in it, if it's good, it's from God. If there's any darkness in it, guess what? It's not from God. If you go through a dark time, you go through that dark valley, guess what? God didn't put you there. God will be with you when you're in the valley. And He'll be able to get you out of that dark time. But make no mistake, when there's light, there's God. And even in the darkest places that we may go, God can still reach you with His light. He's the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Come back tonight, Lord willing. At 5 o'clock, we're going to talk about that description. The God of all comfort. Breaking down that text. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. The psalmist says, A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. Psalm 68, 5. You know, someone may not have a physical father, but you know what? If you have a spiritual father in heaven, that's a great father to have. That's a father who's always there for you. That's a father you can, you can talk to, you can confide in, you can find comfort in. Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. What a blessing to call God our Father. When Jesus taught His disciples how to pray, the model prayer of Matthew chapter 6, He said, when you pray, say this, Our Father who art in heaven. What a blessing that we can call God our Father. Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father. Ephesians 3, 14. You sum all of it up. We as Christians are God's children. The one who spoke this world into existence, we can call him our father. Some of these passages I wanted to present to you if you'd like to take them down for notes and go back and, and examine those. They're just so powerful to think about the fact that we're in God's family. Romans eight fifteen. we have received the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into the family of God. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 5, whereby we can call him Abba, Father. That's the most tender term you could call 
And we have the privilege of doing that. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, we have been adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to the Father. And in 1 John 3, 1, what great glory, what great privilege it is that we can be called the sons of God. We are God's children. We make up God's family. Why the church? Why be here this morning? Why go out of our way when a brother meets sorrow? Why do all of these things? Because we are family. And that's what family does. Let's think about God's family, the church, the why. And be reminded of how wonderful it is to be a member of the church that Jesus purchased with His own blood. We make up God's family, number one, because we experience the same birth. We experience the same birth. I have a brother. His name is Daniel. He's seven years older than I am. And that's one thing that we do share in common. We're family. We're, we're related by blood because we have the same parents. We have that relationship. But you know, you and I, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We were purchased, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're family. You are my brother. You are my sister in Christ. We're part of the family that's been born again. Let's go to our text here in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning there in verse 22. Peter says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Let's piece that together. How does one purify their soul? I can't do it on my own, can I? But when I obey the gospel, Peter says this is the gospel we preach, when I obey that gospel, the blood of Jesus purifies my soul. Acts twenty-two sixteen. Saul, what are you waiting for? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's how one purifies their soul. Notice also what he says in this great text. You've done so in obeying what? In obeying the truth. Truth is something that must be obeyed. Paul told the brethren in Rome, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered unto you. Romans 6, 16 and following. And so we obeyed the truth. Notice through the Spirit. What does that mean? Through the Spirit's teaching. What the Spirit has revealed. The gospel plan of salvation isn't something that we just rehearse and, and spit out. It's Scripture. It's Bible. To hear the gospel, to believe it, to repent of sins, to confess the name of Christ, and to be immersed into Christ is not something that man came up with. That comes from heaven. That's Scripture. When we obey that gospel, when we die to sin, buried with Christ in baptism, and rise to walk in newness of life, we are born into the family of God. And that's what we have here in this text. Something else that I love about this, the Bible, of course, is on best commentary. Not of corruptible seed. What is the seed? Jesus says the seed is the word of God, Luke 8, 11. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What does that word incorruptible mean? Notice, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. That's what it means. That word, that gospel that we obeyed is incorruptible. Therefore, 
our hope is incorruptible. Our home in heaven will be incorruptible. And we find that here in this great text. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Matthew 24, 35. Take you back before we move on to our second point and think about a conversation that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles except God be with him. Jesus didn't say, well, I appreciate you saying that, Nicodemus. You know what? You're right. I am. He didn't say that. What did Jesus do? He went right to the heart of the matter, didn't he? And brethren, I think we need to do the same. It's about time for us to be bold about talking to people about their soul. That's what Jesus did here. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed the difference in verse 3 and verse 5? First he says you can't see it. Then he says you can't enter it. You cannot be a member of God's family if you are not born of the water and of the Spirit. You can't pray your way into it. You can't just have an emotional explosion and feel it. No, no, no. Jesus said, except. This is the only way you can be a member of the family of God. Obey the gospel. Be born of the water and of the Spirit. Again, the Spirit's teaching that we find in the New Testament of what one must do. We are members of God's family. We are family because we experience the same birth. In the second place this morning, we are family. We are God's family as we embrace the same love, a common love for each other, a common hope for tomorrow, that common bond holding us to the Lord. Notice back in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, notice this, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. In other words, you've obeyed the gospel. Guess what that means? When you come out of that watery grave, you have a brand new family and the love that you have for them ought to be the greatest love you feel in this life. That's what is being said in this text. That word sincere, the King James says unfeigned. It's an interesting word. Let's think about that word for a moment. Part of the family whose love knows no end. Sincere means not hypocritical, not pretended, not forced. Same word you find in 2 Timothy 1.5. When Paul is reminded of the genuine faith that was in Timothy, same word. It was sincere. It was real. It wasn't forced. The kind of love that we are to have for one another should not be hypocritical. If I tell my brother and my sister in Christ that I love them, and then I go out of these doors and I talk behind their back, that's not sincere love of the brethren. But if I tell my brother I love them and that night I go to my knees and pray to God and take that name to the throne of God, that's real love. And I can tell you that I've felt these prayers over these past two weeks. And I know that it's real. I know that the love that you have for me is real and sincere and genuine because you've shown me. You've proved it to me. And I hope in some small way you know how much I love you over these past two years and how we've grown together as a family here at Quitman. I told Brother Andy this morning, I did my best to write down my thoughts because I knew I probably couldn't get through it if I said it here. But if you have an opportunity to read the article in the bulletin, I want to pay tribute to you and thank you for the awesome congregation that you are. And I want you to know, sincerely, it's an honor to work with you. It's an honor. 
to work with you here at Quitman. The sincere love of the brethren. In the Greek language, love of the brethren is one word. It's pretty interesting, Brother Jack. When you see a phrase, the Greeks love to do that. They, want, they like to combine three or four words and put it into one or have a whole phrase and say, well, this is one word. Sincere love of the brethren. The word there is phileo. You hear in that? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I love the way that Strong defined this. He said, this word, this phrase, means the affection of those who are now siblings in God's family. The love that you have for your physical sibling, it ought to be greater for my brother and sister in Christ. The sincere love of the brethren. We embrace that same love. Galatians 6, 2, as well as verse 10, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Why? That's my family. I'm going to do whatever I have to do because that's my family member. And I love them. That's the kind of love that we need. That's the kind of love that God expects as our Father when He looks down on His family. That's the kind of love that we need. John says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, guess what? He's in darkness. But... One who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. You know why? I'm not going to go against my brother if I truly love him the way I should. I don't have to worry about going and talking behind his back. I don't have to worry about calling him out in front of other people. I don't have to worry about that if I really love him like I should or love her like I should. Notice John goes on to say, this is the message you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. He says, not as Cain... (laughs) Look how Cain treated his brother Abel. I'm sad to say this, but sometimes in the church, some are treating their brethren like Cain treated Abel. Got to make sure that we don't do that. Again, because we're family. By this we know love, because he, because Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You remember when Jesus, or the Apostle Paul wrote this, Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What is that saying? You ought to be loving your wife so much you're willing to die for. Same sentiment here. I ought to love my brethren so much that I'd be willing to lay down my life for them. Because Jesus did just that, didn't he? He laid down his life for us. We're part of the family that's been born again. We've experienced the same birth when we obey the gospel. Part of a family whose love knows no end. We embrace the same love. Number three this morning. We enjoy the same salvation. We enjoy the same salvation. Back up to verses 18 and 19. One of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. Uh, and I go to it often. Starting there in verse 17 to kind of get the full picture. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. A man didn't die to purchase my salvation. It was the Son of God that did that. So where does my allegiance need to be? It needs to be to Him. Peter says, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things, not those things that pass away and fade away. You were redeemed by, notice the language, the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb 
who died for the sin of the world, John 1, 29. We enjoy the same salvation for Jesus has saved us and made us his own. What a statement. We just sang that a few moments ago, but let's really think about that. Jesus has saved us and made us his own. He claims you as his. The Father in heaven looks at you and knows your name and says, that is my child. That's a blessing. That's an incredible blessing. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the gospel, the first gospel sermon in its entirety. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, not because of, for the remission of your sins. If you want to have your sins washed away, this is how you do it. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? If you answer yes to that, and I answer yes to that because I was, guess what? We're family. I think if we could just stop right there sometimes, it would really help us to move forward and be more united as God's people. We obeyed the same gospel, so we enjoy the same salvation. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 1, verse 7. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Jesus has saved us and made us His own. We've been covered in the blood of Christ. On the day of judgment, He can look and see whether or not we're covered in red. That's all that's going to matter on that day. If I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ on that day, and I've been faithful, that's all that's going to matter. Not how much money you left, not what you did for a job, not what people think. Am I covered in the blood of Jesus? Have I obeyed His gospel? Have I lived faithfully unto Him? If so, that's going to be a great, great day when you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We enjoy the same salvation thanks to Jesus who paid the price that we could never pay. Thanks to Jesus who saved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. We're part of the family that's been born again. We experience the same birth. Part of the family whose love knows no end. We embrace the same love. Part of the family that Jesus has saved. Jesus has saved us and made of His own. We enjoy the same salvation. But finally this morning, we're in God's family as we envision the same eternal home. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home. Go with me all the way back to 1 Peter 1, 3-5. through 5. Here Peter writes by inspiration about the heavenly inheritance. Here's what you and I have as joint heirs with Christ. Here's the inheritance that He has left us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just as Jesus lives, our hope lives. To an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, 
reserved in heaven for who? For you. For God's family. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. We're part of the family that's on its way home. We're gathered here today worshiping our God in spirit and in truth the best that we can. But how wonderful will it be when we gather around the throne of God as family with the loved ones who've gone on before us, with all the faithful of God throughout all ages, and we gather around the throne and we cease not to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm looking forward to that day. We envision the same eternal home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We have to make sure we are building our hopes on things eternal. This is where my hope needs to be. We're part of the family that's on its way home. Jesus has promised to prepare a place for us. He told his disciples they were, they were so confused. They were so hurt. This is the man that we've been following all these years. We forsook our nets. We followed him. We've poured everything into following Jesus. And now he's going to leave us. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? I'm coming back. I'm going to receive you into myself that where I am, there you may be also. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. That's home. That's where I want to be. That's where my heart needs to be. Our citizenship's already in heaven. It ought to be. Philippians 3.20. He's prepared a place for us. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to have a home in heaven, you follow me. God has promised us eternal life. God who cannot lie has promised us a home in heaven. Titus 1, 1 and 2. This is the promise he has promised us, even eternal life. 1 John 2.25. My little children, these things I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. And this life is in the Son, 1 John 5, 13. And then finally, as we just sang in that great hymn, the church will go to be with God forever. Brethren, I, I can't give you any more encouraging news than that. There's not a thing that I could possibly say that could give you more hope and encouragement than that phrase right there. The church, the family of God, the realm of the saved, the body, the bride of Jesus will go to be with God forever and ever. Amen. You think it's important then to be a member of the Lord's church? You think it's important to seek first the kingdom of God? If I want that home in heaven, that needs to be my priority. Then comes the end when He will deliver the kingdom to the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. We find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, Brother Wayne Jackson said the loudest verse in the Bible, the Lord shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. We who are alive and remain will meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that great chapter ends, verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We go through a lot as family. Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs, but sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. If you're not a member of God's family, 
Why not obey the precious gospel of Jesus Christ this morning? To be added by the Lord into the family of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're willing to repent of sins, confess with the mouth that He is Lord, then you can be baptized into Christ, come in contact with His blood, have all of your sins washed away, rise to walk in newness of life. Leave this place today saying, I am in God's family, and heaven will be my home if I stay faithful, Revelation 2.10. But it may be the case that you're struggling right now. You're suffering. You're hurting. There's sin in your life. There's something that's holding you back from being all you can be. Or maybe you're not prepared for eternity. We're family. We're family. What does family do for each other? They're there for us. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you, wrap our arms around you, and point you to the one who will come running and wrap his arms around you. That picture we have of God the Father in Luke chapter 15. If you will only come, you can be in God's family. As a member of God's family, what a privilege, what a joy to call on the God of heaven and say, Father, I'm coming back home. Why not do that today? Why not do that now? As together we stand and sing.